welcome to the Spirit Seeker Hour. Spirit Seeker Hour is your chance to delve into the world of your inner spirit. The Spirit Seeker Hour is brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine. Go to www.spiritseeker.com to find out more. And now, here's Cindy Meyer. brought to you by Spirit Seeker Magazine as the introductory message just said and it is my divine pleasure to bring this show to our listeners and um, you know it's just an honor and a privilege seriously to do this work and Spirit Seeker Magazine is online you can read uh, I guess almost the last two years are archived and we've been publishing for 15 years and there are over 200 radio shows archived and you know, you can listen to them morning, noon, night. It doesn't matter. They are there for your listening um, enjoyment. So this issue of Spirit Seeker has wonderful articles on how to handle the flea problem that happens this time of year when the weather turns cooler. So our green editor wrote a wonderful article on non-toxic flea control. There's an article about reincarnation, the new film Sacred Journey of the Heart, um, which is just an absolutely fabulous DVD. There are Thanksgiving recipes, an article by Marianne Williamson, who wrote the book The Law of Divine Compensation on Work, Money, and Miracles, feeling that right now with the way the economic situation is globally, that people uh, would benefit from her words of wisdom. There's also a feng shui article and on and on and on. So tonight we are doing things a little bit differently Um I am going to be interviewed by Sifu Justin Mian. And uh, Sifu Justin Mian is a very interesting person who, uh, as you'll hear when he interviews, you'll, you'll hear the kindness in his voice. You'll hear the sincerity of everything that he does in thought, word, and deed. He's an amazing, amazing teacher, martial artist, studied Tai Chi, Qigong. He was a member of the first U.S. sports delegation invited to study the original Chen-style Tai Chi in Beijing, China, under Master well, here, and then that was, this goes back to 1981. Um, Zhi Zhang is how I would say it, but I, I'm probably mispronouncing it, and he will correct me um, and, or help me out here. But he was one of 21 students, 21 of his students, who um, were able to celebrate Master Feng's 80th birthday in January 2007. He is the... Um, the uh, President of the Chinese Internal Arts Association and St. Louis Dallas Research and Research, uh, Resource Forum. He is an attorney. He walks in many worlds. So I am going to be interviewed by this gentleman tonight, this master. And so he, from here on, I am surrendering. And Sifu, it is yours. And here I Yay. am. Yay! <laughs> First of all, happy anniversary! Yay! I 15 know. 15 years. Hey, you know, it's also a special evening tonight. It's the Hindu holiday of light, Diwali. Yes, yes, this yes. This is so perfect, isn't it? It is, bringing light and wisdom to um, all over the world, and we're blessed by this, yes. Which is what you've done, and which is why the, the universe has insisted that I turn the tables. Not just the universe, but I have a special message from Jill. <laughs> she says, happy anniversary, um, and we'll all see each other again someday. So don't worry about that, okay? Now, in the meantime, um, wow, 15 years. I was at uh, I was at Whole Foods yesterday, dying to get my latest issue of, of Spirit Seeker, and the only uh, periodical that was completely gone was Spirit Seeker. Everything else had stacks and stacks. I want my November issue, and I'm going <laughs> to make a point of insisting on that as payment for taking the time to celebrate this 15th anniversary. Mm. And we replenish those weekly. It's, Not enough. Get some more up there. Oh, all right, all right. I will email my person. Cindy, <laughs> what a life, girl. I've got so much to talk to you about. I, I just, I'm just so excited. You know, one of the things that kind of interested me was just the name Spirit Seeker. Were you thinking of spirits who are seeking or, or people who are seeking spirits or both? 
Well, it's, it's interesting. The um, I work with a Tibetan numerologist uh, by the name of Beatrix Quintana, who's very gifted in uh, Tibetan numerology versus uh, you know the Western numerology. And we had a you know I had a name picked out. I had had her check it and everything. Um, it was going to be called Spirit Quest. And then um, after that name was selected, we found out that there was indeed another Spirit Quest magazine. So I was in Ames, Iowa in, oh my, what year was it, 19, I think it was 1996, and um, I was teaching a holistic approaches to business management because many holistic practitioners have absolutely no business sense. And um, so I was there teaching this class, and I ran into a gal that I had met in a breathwork workshop in Omaha, and I, I looked at her and I said, well, what are you doing here? And she said, well, I'm a spirit seeker just like you. Wow. And in that holy instant, I thought, ah, there's the name. So I called Beatrix again, and I said, Beatrix, will you please check out the numerology (laughs) on Spirit Seeker? And she said, and she has this funny voice. She has a paralyzed vocal cord from a surgery she had when she was younger, and and her voice goes up and down, and she goes, oh, this is even better. Now you're seeking instead of a quest. You've already found it, you know, in this dramatic tone. And it had sevens all the way across. So that's in which is spirituality. So that's how it came. Cindy, your life is so interesting. And I think, really, you're on the cusp of tomorrow. You began your work in the uh, medical field. You did a lot of nursing and chiropractic. And then you branched into the spiritual, and I think that's where our society is right now. I mean, is there a spiritual dimension that we can all depend on and and expect that if we uh, just float that it will lift us up, or or is everything have to be measured by science? And you're you're you've you've been in both worlds. What's the answer? You know, it's it's interesting. Someone twittered um, me today, and and I don't always look at that because you know so many things come across my computer and you know desk. And I thought this looks interesting. And there was this article by some gentleman who found Spirit Seeker on Twitter, and he had an article on his uh, Twitter account about what is the difference, uh, what is spirituality exactly. And I felt I just felt drawn to read it, and you know, are all these differences between um, actually what spirituality is? And you know, he said, you know, unlike religion, people who are spiritual have a tendency to be spiritual in the moment, whenever they're inspired. You know, it's not something that's you know a ritual done once a week. Instead, it's um, really from a heart way of living, <clears throat> and. You know, to me, you know, I was raised in, you know, traditional religion and, you know, and I loved the rituals. I loved the smell of the incense. I loved the Latin mass. I loved, you know, there were so many things. I loved putting the little thing on my crown chakra, you know, the little, you know, cap. And I love fasting. You know, I've always, you know, enjoyed fasting. And I, and I love that, you know, that way of learning to pray and all of that. And, you know, I, I've always given, you know, thanks for, you know, my parents, you know, introducing me to to traditional religion but it just you know i i just always wanted more and i remember frustrating the nuns when i would say okay well if god made us who made god you know and they didn't (laughs) like those kind of uncomfortable questions but you know to me when we're living in a in a way that is spiritual we're more in balance with um with with God and and with you know being inspired, which Inspire has part of spirituality in it, you know, and you know it's just a devotion. But you worked in the area of cardiac nursing and worked with many local nursing agencies, and then uh, you got your degree in healthcare management, and then you manage a chiropractic office. I mean, all, so often we we find that people who have uh, focused on uh, the medical side have been rationalists and uh, science science orientated and have found it very difficult to to transition or to encompass the spiritual because of their training and upbringing. How were you able to bridge that divide? Well, it came with, you know, yes, I learned how to stick, uh, poke, prod, and do all of the procedures that go with nursing. But um, I was I was 
very lucky as a as a young woman to have a, a best friend whose mother was very inspirational. She studied ballet when she was 50. Mm. They had lived in France. <laughs> Their dog talked both languages, and they were a second family to me. So I grew up eating pheasant, quail, duck, learning how to load shotgun shells to, um, you know, for the for the gun club that her parents uh, managed. And I remember Mrs. Flora saying to me when I was a little girl, but Cindy, why don't you want to be a doctor? Why do you, why is such your sight so low just to be a nurse? And I looked at her and I said, because I want to help people. And I, being a doctor, would slow me down. And so I think well, I'm I, going to tell you something, Cindy. When I was in the hospital, it, w- it wasn't even the nurses. It was the nurses' aides who, who brought mm-hmm. care. And those are the people I look forward to seeing the most. So rarely will a doctor or a nurse tell you anything, uh, less less somehow they say something that will have uh, uh, legal consequences. Right. It was the legal. It was the nurses' aides who asked me how I was and, and did the things that uh, you know brought comfort. Right. And Justin, I was a total patient care nurse. I started I off as a licensed practical nurse, and I did the total patient care. So if they needed a med. I did it. If they needed, you know, a catheter put in or if they needed, you know, any of that stuff, I did it all. I did everything from bed baths to everything. And what I learned early on in nursing is that, you know, I was one of the few nurses who actually gave the massage before they went to sleep in the evening, you know, on the evening shift. And what I loved was explaining, oh, Mr. Smith, tomorrow you're having this test, and this is what they're going to be doing, and this is what, you know, this is the the reason for this test. So I was teaching, and what I realized is that was my deal. I love the one-on-one contact. I service oh. to others is probably the most direct guy, the direct path to enlightenment, in my opinion. Was there some magic moment when you decided that you wanted to pursue the spiritual beyond uh, the uh, way in which healthcare had been uh, compartmentalized? Well, it's interesting. I went from you know the healthcare management degree. Well, first I started off as an LPN, and then I went back for uh, was working on my bachelor of science in nursing. And But it was really interesting. I was working at St. John's Mercy Medical Center as a nurse, then leaving the night shift, going to morning classes, and then coming back and doing nursing practicum in the same hospital I was working as a nurse. And it all became very confusing, and yet I was still, you know, even keel with it, until I saw one of my fellow classmates carrying around accounting and business books. And I looked at her and I said, why, why do you have those books? You know, aren't you, you know, I don't understand. You're in the nursing program. She said, oh, I'm not going to do bed bedpans and all that. I'm going straight into administration. I said, what do you mean? And she said, I just, I, I just have a bigger vision. She said, I want to go straight into management. I said, do you like the business classes? And she said, yeah, I really do. And at this point, I'd already managed a chiropractic clinic that, you know, I had done all their marketing and, you know, set up all the lectures and education and everything and took the, you know, I helped take the clinic from, you know, like maybe 30 patients a day. And when I left, they were seeing an excess of 80 and, you know, full physical therapy suite and everything. And I thought, you know, I don't really like this nursing. I I, I found that you know, I just was in resistance to when I would see a doctor prescribing 10, 12 different medications and, you know, one pill causing another complication. And, you know, and I honor, you know, allopathic medicine. I honor it. I always will honor it. They, you know, but I also knew that there was a different way. So I started Did taking Did your grandmother these. have anything to do with that? Ah, my mother's mother, very nope. wise woman. Yes, people came from far and wide for my grandmother to do healing. Really? Tell us about her. Grandma Jessie was. <laughs> uh, Grandma Jessie had nine children, and um, you know, from the time my mother was nine, my uh, her father was you know no longer on the scene, and so my grandmother, being who she was, she was very proud, would not take you know, help or assistance from anyone, you know, so no welfare for my grandmother. Oh, no. You know, um, she just was a very proud woman. And so I don't, you know, I don't know how they did it, except that my grand, my, my mother grew up with a mother who had these amazing healing gifts. And um, people would 
come, and she had this special gift, which is going to sound very odd, but she could remove warts and other things. So the last person she worked on was a violinist who had been to every doctor, and they would take the warts off, then they would come back, and all this, and it was keeping her, keeping the violinist from being able to play his instrument. It was just, you know, terrible. And all my grandmother would have to know is where they were located on the body, that there was a willingness of the person to let them go, and then she would say, okay, um, just go, and, um, you know, and all will be well, and come back. I think sometimes she would have them come back, but in most cases, they wouldn't even have to come back. It would just, they would disappear. Well, then she joined this church of the Nazarene, and they told her that this was the work of the devil. Oh, boy. But I was a young woman, and the minute I could drive, I would go to Grandma Jessie's. And she was a she was an avid gardener. I think that's where my green thumb comes from. She had perennial beds all around, and we would sit on her front porch. She never had a TV in her house because she both of my both of my grandparents. It was interesting. My stepfather, who adopted me, you know, had parents too that didn't believe in TV. And my grandfather used to say, "If there's a TV, people will come and watch the box and not have conversations." So I grew up with Grandma Jessie. How right and, they were. Well, you know, and I've never watched TV much, you know. And You ain't you know, missing nothing. I, you know, I know. I watch documentaries and things, you know, occasionally, you know, a couple of shows. But but, but here's my Grandma Jessie who then, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, you know, do it anymore because they told her it was evil. So one night I'm sitting on the front porch and we're rocking. She had these little, you know, those metal chairs, but hers were rockers. And we're sitting on the front porch. I said, Grandma Jessie, you know, my dad has this wart sticking out of his ear, and they've cut it off, and it keeps coming back. I said, can't you do your magic and remove it? And she goes, Cynthia Diane, Cynthia Diane. But she called me Cynthia. Cynthia Diane, you know I don't do that anymore. And I said, I know, Grandma, but I'm just asking you one more favor. I won't, I won't tell anyone. I said, it's just really ugly, because it really was very ugly. And I said, it bothers him, it bothers us. I said, can't you just do this once? And she had this little smile on her face. (laughs) And, of course, the wart disappeared. And I often have looked at this, and, you know, she never touched my father. She never got near my, you know, it wasn't part of the equation. She knew how to do remote healing through the grace of God. Well, I mean, it's so typical of Jesus. I mean, even Jesus... There had to be some some forward request before he could actually perform a miracle. Ask and it shall be given. Yeah. yeah. And how did that affect you in, in your life? So I went back and I, you know, after it was gone, and I said, Grandma, thank you. She said, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, and I said, oh, yes, you do, and thank you. And she had this serene little smile and that twinkle in her eye. So, you know, I think that was always part of it, you know. And, and I think my mother had the gift. You know, my mother uh, trained in clinical hypnotherapy, this, you know, quiet, diminutive, you know, mother of six children who, you know, <laughs> you know, was a stay-at-home mom because my stepfather didn't want her to work. And, you know, she, she guided all of her six children. But then she then she trained in hypnotherapy. And I said, Mom, why aren't you practicing? And she said, oh, I never knew the power of the mind. I just didn't know, and I can't have that responsibility. That's just too oh, much. Oh, it is a big responsibility. I know, I know. So my, But my it, mother, you know, always encouraged me. I was raised with five brothers, and I was always the different one. I was the one reading about the saints and always, <laughs> like, the stacks of books. I would walk to the bookmobile that came to, you know, you know, two miles from where I lived, and I would walk and come home in the heat, didn't matter, with my stacks of books. And I was fortunate. I was the only girl, so I had my own room. You know, my poor brothers, oh, they all had to share rooms, but I had my own room, you know, and my mother knew. She just knew. I mean, half the time I would, like, you know, put a towel by the door and cover the lamp so they wouldn't see the light on, and I'd read, you know, mm. through the night because I always, you know, that was my, my world. Well, I think God needs channelers, people who can take his love and pass it on and, you know, perform the healing. Yeah. So when did you decide that you were going to get into these other areas, such as the breath work and the the, um, reflexology and the uh, uh, hands-on healing, Reiki? So interesting, Justin. I uh, I was working on my MBA. I you know, you know, I I knew my marriage was in trouble, and mm-hmm. I had been raising four stepchildren and had two small children, and I just didn't know what to do. I I just was you know praying, you know, saying, 
what can I do? And I thought getting my MBA would, like, you know, allow me to be independent and raise my children. And at that time, I was working for a women's newspaper. And um, it was my first job in a long time. And so here I am working for this women's newspaper, knowing my marriage is in trouble. And then I became their sales manager. And one day, I walked into the office and the owner of the company said, has anybody ever heard of this lady named Sandra Ray? And I said, I said, I have, why? And at that time, she actually did the graphic arts for Women's Voice and for um, Pathfinder. And, they said, and she said, well, they're taking a half-page ad out in Pathfinder. Why don't you try and sell the ad? And I said, that lady's crazy. I said, she thinks that babies remember birth. I said, I read her book in 1986 and threw it across the room. I said, that lady is like really like out there. And they're like, well, you know, since you know so much about her, why don't you go after the ad? So I'm like, oh, man, why is this in my lap? So, of course, I do, and I sell a half-page ad. But the only way I could get the ad is if I wrote an article about this woman, and I couldn't interview her because she was in the Himalayas. So wow. I know. So it was like this pivotal, life-changing moment. What was so, her name? Sandra Ray. Wow. And Sandra Ray then came to St. Louis. So I and you know, so I was invited to this private evening in this backyard in Chesterfield, Missouri, with the head of the Course in Miracles, Ruth Hanna, with the you know, Vito <laughs> Ponticello, you know, the the <laughs> owner and and you know, whole deal with Mystic Valley and Pathfinder in St. Louis. You know, all these people I'd heard about and we're sitting in this backyard and we're chanting in Sanskrit I didn't even know what we were chanting, and I'm thinking, and it was my 37th birthday. Let me not forget that detail. And I just finished reading your book, I Deserve Love. And I am not one to have authors sign books. I think it's, you know, know, I just don't do it. But that night, I'd read all of her books, not all, but several of her books to write this article, right? And her energy was so high, and I just listened to her, and I was spellbound. I was spellbound. And I'm thinking, whoa, something's happening here. And so I had her sign my book that night. And the next night she spoke at the Botanical Gardens, which the Botanical Gardens is really strict. They normally don't even let outside speakers come there. But somehow this miracle happened, and there were over 300 people there. Wow. And so I heard her speak two nights in a row. All right, so I'm, you know, I'm like raising these six kids, you know, working on my MBA, you know, which was fear-driven, you know, because I was trying to figure out how to, you know, Economic. support my children. Yeah, the whole thing. You know, never wanting to have to rely on anyone else. Oh, no, spirit will support me, and I'm, you know, I'm independent. So there was this flyer there, and I remember Ruth Hanna, um, you know, One Heart, what was it, One Heart? She had all the books that night, and this woman who was the local rebirther had, you know, the flyers and was in charge of the event. And there was this flyer about this breathwork, well, it was called rebirthing, breathwork training, and it was offered in two cities, Mundelein, Illinois, and St. Louis, Missouri. Wow. Well, I moved to Mundelein, Illinois when I was 18 years old. Manage, you know, I transferred with Beat Alton Bookseller. I wanted to get out of St. Louis, and I transferred because they were opening a new store in Mundelein, Illinois, actually Mount Vernon. And I thought, okay, this is a sign from God. And this woman has said two days in a row, if you don't like your life, change it. You created it. Yep. If you're not happy with it, then you need to do something different. And she kept talking. I know, and you know, it's like take responsibility, stop blaming other people. And I was really in the blame game at that point with, you know, feeling sorry for myself. And, you know, I make birthdays for everybody else, but here I am on my birthday. Is anyone making me dinner tonight? Oh, no. You know, they're all, you know, they don't, I wonder if they even realize it's my birthday. And, you know, really into this like little pity party. And two nights of Sandra Ray smacking us around spiritually and saying, take responsibility, create something different. Breathwork can clear the sludge out. And I, you you know, I'd been through therapy, psychotherapy. I could tell you my issues, and I knew my issues. I could psychobabble. I could, like, talk my way around any of it. But I knew that this woman kept offering this olive branch of hope, and I thought, okay. And as you said, I... the spirit will support you. That's right. So I signed up for this class, and normally, Justin, you're not even able to take that class unless you've had four or five private breathwork sessions. Wow. But as has been the case in my life when it's time the door open. <laughs> so here I am in this breathwork class, 
I mean, and not only a breathwork class, the breathwork training, which was four weekends in this deep four-day relationship training, and all of a sudden, all the emotions that had been pushed down, where I was tough and I could handle anything, raise six kids, do anything, you know, I was very involved in the nonprofit world, had 23 committee chairs, you know, that reported to me, and we were, you know, on the hospital boards, on junior league boards, on, uh, you know, then I became the auxiliary chairman board, so I had all the presidents of all, at that time, there were 20-something hospitals in St. Louis, and I chaired as the chairman of the president's group, you know, for two years, I facilitated all that. And it was my own MBA. I mean, I was on the lay advisory board, you know, with all kinds of community leaders, you know, that, you know, I don't know. So it was just like this funny time in my life. And breathwork took all the parts that just didn't, I never really got to with the psychotherapy. And, you know, I started crying and I didn't think I'd ever stop crying. I mean, just talking about it, you can hear the emotion. And I thought, is this a good thing that all I'm doing is crying? And yet it changed me. And, you know, I remember hearing this one time, tears are like the rain. Mm. They soften the soil for future growth. Wow. And we were taught never miss an opportunity to cry, but not in a boo-hoo, feel sorry for yourself kind of way. You know, whatever's coming up is coming up for the purpose of healing. And love brings up anything unlike itself for for healing. So here I am, you know, just being touched in a way that, you know, I'd never been, I've never experienced this. I grew up with a mother who would say, stop that crying, you know, because she was raised by a mother probably who said, stop that crying. And so I was a a girl raised in an environment with all these men, you know, that none of us cried. We just didn't cry. We were tough, stalwart people. That's the way I always felt, too. In the old days, you, you know, crying was a sign of weakness. Absolutely. And so, you know, here I am bawling like a baby and and talking about things that I've never talked about to anyone before in a group situation. Yep. And that's when the healing started. So I tossed the MBA out, went to counseling, thinking, okay, I'll be a counselor. Well, I was already doing it with breathwork. People would come to me for 10 sessions. We'd do this breathwork, go deeply. I created affirmations and coached them through their lives and you know, and then I thought, okay, so I'll go get my social work degree. So I went to Wash U for a year, and um, I had my intern shut up, uh, internship set up with MAP, the Missouri Association for Philanthropy, and the um, Whitaker Foundation, yeah. because I thought I wanted to set up my own not-for-profit and find the right cause, and I knew it would probably have something to do with women and children. But by the time I was at Wash U, I was trained in Reiki, trained in reflexology, trained and trained and trained and on and on. And they said, you know you can't touch the body as a, as a social worker. And I said, what do you mean? And they're like, you can't do that. So that seems I to be the away. one thing that seems to be missing in most of our Western approaches is, is that human touch. Right, right. And remember, I'm the nurse who gave... who actually gave the back rubs we were trained to do. And that's when the stories would unravel. Many of these people who are in the hospitals with illnesses hadn't been touched in a long time. Yeah. Compassionate touch. So that's how Spirit Seeker was born. You know, like like I walked away from WashU, and I don't know, there's more to the story, but... um, you know, it's just, it was it, things, the breath work changed my life. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, that's a big jump to go from, you know, the 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 approved, rational approach to medicine to the belief that there is more and that we can do more. And uh, you did it. And I've always honored both ways, Justin. You know, to me, the people who are extreme with it has to be one way or the other. You know, to me, my goodness. You know, I look at the work Deepak Chopra is doing with science and spirituality, and, you know, he's his whole website now and all of his work, um, he said until, you know, for the rest of his time here on planet Earth, is to merge science and spirituality and you know, you know, I look at the work Bruce Lipton's doing and all these neuroscientists that, you know, truly believe that through consciousness you can override RNA and DNA. And 
to me, consciousness is everything. Wow. And so how did you get started with the magazine? Or, or the, <laughs> is that how you got started? Oh, this is a funny story. I was in Sedona, Arizona for a board meeting. I was on the uh, on the board for the National Council for Self-Esteem, and I was the St. Louis uh, chapter president. And I was um, 42 years old, pregnant, and not married. <laughs> and I mean, I was, you know, it was like, what? Who gets, you know, it was just like this shock. And so I was in a um, very much of a soul-searching time in my life. And I was in Sedona on Bell Rock meditating oh. and uh, asking God for guidance. And what I heard, you know, because I hear, I'm all the Claire's, so I hear, Claire audience, I hear, start the magazine and have it in place before the child is born. And I'm like, excuse me, more information, please. <laughs> you know, complete silence. Complete silence. And I'm like, start the magazine and have it in place before the child is born. What is this? So um, I, I listened because I know, I knew even then that if you don't listen, you know, you get in trouble because the few times I haven't listened when spirit has talked at that level, I've, you know, I've regretted it. So I started Spirit Seeker before the child was born, kicked off the first issue in September 1997. I had a newsletter at that time that, you know, had reached 2,000 readers, and it was quarterly. But um, And I had started the Holistic Expos, you know, in 1996. But this is 1997 in a very you know, kind of challenging time in my life with what, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't ask for this assignment, but on some level, I guess I called it in. And um, so the magazine was kicked off and my son was born in, in December. And it's it started off six times a year and then it expanded into 12 times a year in 2002. Wow. I know. And who are some of the people that you really enjoyed most uh in your in your explorations and interviews and, and, oh. and I mean you've had so many people. Well, just the publishing aspect of it is amazing. Each issue of Spirit Seeker has you know like this the you know we're working on the December issue now and I I I'm just amazed. You know, I work with you know publishing houses in the UK and Canada in the US obviously and there have been three angel books that have come across the computer in the, just the last week. And then yesterday I had the honor and privilege, and I do mean honor and privilege, of interviewing Sophie Burnham, who... Yeah, I saw that know, on the website. Oh, she's one of the forerunners in the area of intuition and angels. And, you know, she just shared some of the most heart-touching stories of... You know her 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 work in listening to the angels and guiding other people to listen to the angels and you know her book was written you know back in in the early nineties no it was actually in the eighties i think and um and you know she was way ahead of you know other people talking about the angels You've got mail. whoops and uh <laughs> and so you know sophie Burnham you know definitely won another I mean, I just, you know, You've Michael interviewed Rose. so many people. Some of them have had such diverse disciplines. Oh, what yeah. do you think the unifying factor is? I think I, through through the radio show, it's, it's you know, remember, you know, I mean, I was too little, but I remember the stories of FDR and, you know, the fireside chats, you know. Yeah. And to me, this radio show through the Internet, and I resisted it, because I had a traditional show in a studio, you know, in the Central West End in St. Louis. And, you know, I mean, it was over the air, but, you know, you were in a studio with a headset on and everything. And, you know, and, and there was a producer on the other side and commercials and the whole deal. And, you know, I remember when people first introduced me to Internet radio, I was like, that's ridiculous. Who's going to listen to the Internet? I just didn't quite get it. Wow. And then I realized the power that anyone anywhere in the world can, you know, listen. And, and you know, St. Louis has got to be one of the most conservative <laughs> markets you could possibly ever want to challenge yourself. <laughs> well, and my show was Women Inspiring Women, you know, so I interviewed 
um, authors and spiritual teachers. And, you know, my one of my teachers from India, you know, came on one time and, you know, did an hour. And, you know, I, I just, you know, I've just been blessed. And, you know, Saima, who has quite a following worldwide, was one of the most fascinating interviews. And then by that night, she had her teachers all over the world replaying that interview in their meditation wow. classes. And, you know, I mean, I loved, you know, still love Saima on her work. And she says, are you ready to let it be easy? <laughs> How good will you let it be? She's from French Mauritania, and she has this wonderful French accent. And um, I remember her saying, can you have seven weeks of pure joy? And the whole audience is like, seven weeks, you know. And she goes, okay, how about seven days? Can you just be as happy as you can be for seven days? And her, you know, her whole deal is, you know, no matter what comes your way, just like Sophie Burnham yesterday, she said, you know, it's, you know, we all have sorrows. We all have, you know, she says, but what if the Dalai Lama hadn't been kicked out of Tibet? What Mm. if he hadn't brought his teachings to Tibet? You know, it's like, Okay, so you have these things, but it's your job to get back on track and rise above it. And the Dalai happy. Lama said his greatest spiritual teacher was Mao Zedong. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Think about that. It's incredible. So now, do you give workshops yourself today? I do. I just, you know, I'm. Give a, us some I, idea of the. The essential uh, themes of what you you truly believe can assist people in achieving greater understanding of of their potential in life. Okay, so I feel that Reiki is one of the the biggest blessings that's ever been you know given given to all of us. How did you get into that? Funny, I know you did the I, massage. Well, I never, I paid for a massage, but never finished it. I just, that was, I just was like, you know what? No, I'd rather get one. (laughs) So, so all of the work that I've ever done has been, you know, energy work. And I had the honor and privilege of studying with uh, one of, you know, this gentleman from Sweden who was a reflexologist and Reiki master teacher for years. And then he came to the U.S. and studied with Don McFarland, who was a chiropractor who, realized that there was just way more to healing than he learned in chiropractic school. So he closed his doors to his clinic in um, California for two years and went all over the world and studied and became certified in 60 more healing disciplines. He studied Jin Shin Shih Tzu. He studied Qigong. He studied, you know, it was mainly Eastern, you know, but he also studied cranial sacral, all of this. And then he kind of just extrapolated the best of each of them and created, created his own technique called body harmony. And Arna Ranson was my first teacher who studied, who was one of John McFarland's first students. And um, he'd been all over the Himalayas and, you know, he, he actually was a Tibetan monk for five years um, wow. after after um, being busted in Turkey and put in a Turkish prison. And when he came out, he was like, there's no way I can go back to, I mean, it was, a, he said, talk about Marrakesh Express, you know, uh, it was a bad experience. So he came out and these, he was just wandering around, kind of just lost, and these Buddhist monks took him in. And he took his vows and everything. He was there for five years and then realized, okay, this is just, you know, not not my dharma, not my path for life, and came out and then studied breath work, became a rebirther trainer, and then came to the U.S. and, you know, met Don McFarlane and studied with him, this man who was brilliant in healing, and so I met Arna in a one-month program in Connecticut in 1994 with rebirthers from all over the world. And for us to do the work, we went through a month-long training of breath work every single day, being processed every single day, having six trainers, you know, um, you know, processing us. You know, I mean, it was you had to go deeply and surrender. And so I invited Arna to come to St. Louis in 1995. And in 1996, though, you know, over the course of the next year, um, I studied with him and other teachers in hands-on healing um, and became certified in body harmony. Well, so I had an office in Columbia, Missouri. And I, you know, they called me the walk and talk lady because, you know, we learned how to analyze the body and, you know, someone would walk and talk their story and we would see where the entry was, where the you know, where it was affecting the physical, and you could see all of this. 
So I was excellent in body reading and in this. So one of the gals that became my organizer in Columbia, Missouri, said, have you ever thought about studying Reiki? And I said, well, Reiki was one of the, you know, 60 different healing disciplines, you know, that I've already studied, but, you know, I don't know. And I said, why would I do that? And she said, I think it would, she said, you're already a master healer, but I think it would just, you know, help you. So what makes a master healer? You know, I think there's so many components, Justin. I think that, you know, I think that there's a surrendering and a um, an opening and being a vessel. And it seems like it's not any one technique. That it's not. It, it, it's, it's the not. gift that someone has to be bold enough to transfer love and, and the hope that uh, that we can all affect each other in positive ways and, and be antennas for universal love. And that's it right there, what you just said, you know, and, and um, because I can remember when we um, we were not allowed to say, like, if someone had, um, like, if someone would say, oh, I have carpal tunnel syndrome, yeah. that the teacher would say, excuse me, excuse, in the Swedish accent, excuse me, excuse me, did you say your wrist was having difficulty moving? <laughs> you know, we were not allowed, you know, uh. and we were not allowed to say that we were, um, that it was energy either because that was too vague and nondescript and we weren't allowed to say that. We weren't even, that was just, mm-mm. You have the, the the different bodies. You have your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual bodies. And, you know, he taught us that before you ever touch the body, you've touched. And so so here I am, you know, now training in Reiki. And because this woman assumed and honored me, I guess, in her mind that I was a master healer, I got my Reiki attunements and never knew what happened. I knew when my hands got hotter, but and, and but then, you know, she moved. So when I was ready for my Reiki master, this woman said, "Oh, I'll give you your Reiki master attunement." So I go to Belleville, Illinois, and I get lost, and I get there, and she said, "Okay, well, normally this is a six-week class, but because you're a master healer already, are you ready for your attunements?" So once. <laughs> I'm, I kid you not, Justin. So the next thing you know, I'm a Reiki master, and I have no idea what You already what were before you were a tooth. I know, but then, but then, you know, I never planned on being a teacher, just like breathwork. I never planned on doing it. I just wanted what it could give me, but then I'm uh, not only a rebirther, very successful, but I became a rebirther teacher. You know, who knew, you know, who knew that that was my path? So with this Reiki, I was talking to my friend Maureen Malone, who she and her husband Tony have the oldest rebirthing center in the U.S., in Philadelphia, and they also run the re, you know, New York Rebirthing Center. And Maureen said before she got off the phone, she goes, oh, I keep meaning to tell you, I think you're supposed to teach Reiki. I said, <laughs> I said, why would I teach Reiki? She said, I don't know, but I just keep hearing that you're supposed to do that. And I was like, gosh, Maureen, I wouldn't even know where to begin. My eyes were closed. Everybody just handed me manuals and said, here you go. You've been attuned. So I interviewed Reiki masters. And after interviewing, I think, 20 of them, I found this lady who lived in the cornfields of Shawtuck, Illinois. And I said, Anita, I really like you, and you seem to have all the different components of what I'm looking for in a Reiki master. And I said, here's the deal. I said, do you have a manual? She says, no. (laughs) Why? And I said, well, I will provide the students, I will provide the space, and I will take any teaching revenue and split it right down the middle, 50% to you, 50% to me, if you will train me. And I said, you can sell all the books and take all the profit from that. All you have to do is show up. And and I want to study with you, but I also want to teach. So we taught together for almost two years. so wonderful as finding a spiritual uh, guide oh, yeah. that you're comfortable with. And right. uh, you know the thing I, I love about you, Cindy, is I mean I've only we've only met once. Did you have your glass of wine, by the way? I'm enjoying it right now. Thank okay, you. Okay, well I, I've had three. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, on our first meeting, I was it was as if I had known you my whole life. You're so down-to-earth. You're so intuitive in terms of just your ability to spiritually be attentive to those around you. I mean, we it was just some stupid, not stupid, it was a great show on Channel 2. They had like all of four minutes for us. But within that four minutes, there was a guy playing the flute, and there was discussions, and there was activity, and I felt like I had known you my whole life. You're... you're I often feel that the people that I've admired the most tended to be, without a doubt, the best human beings. And I've often found that those others 
who demand a certain amount of uh, um, kowtow and, and, you know, have all of their their um, attainments on display and, and carry themselves with an otherworldly air are the least likely to be uh, people who can make a path into the human heart and create the conditions that allow people to transform. And your naturalness, your I mean, I don't think anybody would even know that you were involved in all the things that you were just by the way you greet people with your open-heartedness and your great sense of humor. You know, that was a magical day on that Tim Azell show. It was magical. You know, I mean, you would think we, we had can't rehearsed stop talking to each other. I know. And then, and then you know, and here's this Tim Azell, ooh, <laughs> this spirit seeker, you know, there's like his little backdrop, and you could see the camera crew. You yep. know what, they have four or five studios that they go from one to the other, you know, yep. it's like, you know, and then here we are, you know, you and Jordania Tiger, you know, and they're like, okay, so can you, you know, we have this beautiful Tai Chi thing going, and then it's, okay, so can you do anything else? And the next yep. thing you know, we've got this martial arts thing going on, we've got Todd Mosby in the background with the music and yeah. you know it was just you know and this is on the spirit seeker website by the way i show oh wow I, I i i seriously you need to see this it's so funny you know one of my web people put it up and so today there was a when you called and um you know we touched base there was a new woman you know well i've known her for a long time but she's helping me with what the project is spirit seeker and she said, well, you just were awfully playful. And I said, oh, well, that was Sifu Justin Mian. And I said, I feel playful when I'm around him. And I said, because he's a Zen energy master. And I said, here, let me show you Sifu Justin Mian. So we, we played your video. And, oh, boy. and she's like, wow, he's very powerful. I said, oh, understated. Yeah, you got it. So, you know, so many people are still getting to enjoy that magic that we created that day. And, well, and I, thought, I, was I thought I think that you created it yourself. I mean, we were just guests. As a matter of fact, we were substituting for uh, for uh, Sean, Sean Tucker. Tucker and yeah. Chris Hager. Yeah. Um, where are you at, Cindy? I mean, where are you going? What's what, what? Where are we going? Where Where is the Spirit Seeker taking us? Where are you at in your life right now? And oh, what do you see as the future? And and uh, what are your thoughts on these subjects? Well, Spirit Seeker is is changing, and you know we started off as you know the St. Louis, you know. Yeah. And now we're in Chicago every month. You know, I'm talking to people in Chicago and we're working with the Swedenborg Society and, you know, the, this group and that group. And, you know, and then we've been in Kansas City for, you know, uh, four years now. And, you know, I so I'm, you know, we're in the Whole Foods in Kansas City. We're in the Whole Foods in Chicago. We're in the Whole Foods in St. Louis. And well, there, There's so much going on, but, you know, <sighs> it's people like you who have said, I'm not going to grab the spotlight for myself. I'm going to spread it around so that right. everyone can see what's going on and have the opportunity to learn more and, and maybe uh maybe benefit from right. uh well I think we're I think we're finished as far you know, we added Arkansas two months ago and <laughs> um you know and I've always worked with Dolores Cannon who you know, talk about, you know, um, you know, the what you were saying about I make things normal. So many people, real estate agents, et cetera, that I've worked with with, you know, the feng shui and everything, they say, you know, you make this stuff seem normal. If anyone You're else so down care, to earth and well, you, you know how to talk to people at the level that you encounter them. Well, we're all in this together. And, you know, I've had the I mean, you know, Justin, you know, some of your amazing teachers, it's like you just sit in like this yeah. wonderment, like how yep. have I been so blessed to like yep. have, and that's what the radio well, show what, what, what Master Fung said was, uh, if you're on this path, it's because in your past life you did some good work. Now, you still have to keep going, but at the same time, uh, people who are on this path oftentimes have paid their dues, I think. It's, it's basically karma. They, they, you have to get beyond the uh the necessities of, of just like you did, the food and, and the kids and all of this other stuff. You 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 continue to do the things that a normal human being should do, but at the same time you move up a level and, and things have a different appearance on the spiritual plane. 
Well, you know, and I, I, I remember studying with uh, these teachers who taught Ascension. They were speakers at, you know, one of the expos. You know, these expos, 27 in, you know. Oh, boy. What, yeah, that's years. amazing. And I, but, I'm, but I've hung the, the expo hat uh, on the shelf. I'm finished with those at this point. I, I want to support other people's expos. But, you know, I can remember these Ascension teachers giving us this four-line you know, ascension prayer or whatever that I use almost every day. I start my day off and I say, I am here. I am open. (laughs) I am ready. Guide me. Oh, that's beautiful. You know, I'm going to repeat this. I am here. I am open. I am ready. Guide me. And, you know, that's pretty much my, you know, and I, when the phone rings, I think, I wonder who God's sending now. Yep, you know? yep, yep. And, and you never know. And, you know, we've, we have expanded into Arkansas and, you know, that's, you, you well, know. Well, that's a miracle right there. No, I no know. I've been told this. And I, yes. <laughs> so. Regardless so, of who they voted for. <laughs> I know. It's like, I, I didn't really get that until most recently, you know, about a month ago, I was at Unity Village, this beautiful, beautiful Unity flagship facility that's on 1600 acres and i was in this Mm. workshop spiritual tools to reinvent your life and you know i just finished my coaching certification you know after all these years i've been doing it but i thought you know i'm going to add certified coach practitioner ccp after my name because that's where i'm going justin you know how can we find out more about what you have to say i mean do you have books or or uh, no i know it's like i just took this weekend class over the weekend and you know, I You are truly a spirit seeker girl. I know. And you know, and I'm not in you know, I It's much more fun going? being a student than a teacher. Yes, yes. And that has fulfilled me in raising my children and you know, just having this, you know, blessed experience and you know How have I, your I, children uh <laughs> felt about your your very interesting lifestyle? Well, um, I've been quiet about my psychic part of my life <laughs> until Channel 5 asked me to predict the World Series last oh year. Oh, my goodness. And, you know, I am I I am not normally, you know, after growing up with five brothers and, you know, uh, all it should sports, help. you know, that, that I was not encouraged to do because I was a girl and, you know, supporting all of them with, you know, all that. Yeah. So I just, you know, throughout the years, I just haven't been that big of a sports fan. But for some reason last year, I was really into baseball, and I know that's why that opportunity came, because I do not predict lottery numbers or any of that nonsense. I won't use my gifts for that, but I felt drawn to accepting that invitation. So I'm in the Channel 5 studio, predicted, you know, the second to the last World Series game completely accurately, and then the next day they called and they said, look, this most recent one chance. where we beat, where, no, no, uh, no, the one, last year, last, oh, last year, okay. when we won the World Series, and so then they said, okay, you know, because I, I was given less than an hour's notice, I had to drop everything, get into the shower, get dressed, you know, because a lot of my work's over the phone, and, you know, it's like, you know, whatever, you know, not that I'm in pajamas, but, so you know, tell I'm me casual. about the prediction. So I predicted. So then the, they 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 said, "Okay, you were so accurate with what happened last night. We'll come to you." And I said, oh, "What do you mean you'll come to me?" So they came to my little house in Chesterfield, and you know they're in my house, and oh, they you know, goodness. and so then that led to you know they the the newscaster you know had her birthday party and invited me to read for all of the. News, you know, I mean, all wow. my personal friends, and you know, I mean, in the Central West End escape, and you know, so here I am sitting in escape, entertaining all these people that I've seen on TV, you know, through my little fortunes, and you know, so you know, Justin, where it's going is this: I love using all my gifts, and I love not for sports reading. predictions. I know, I know. You know what? It's funny. This year, I thought, I wonder if they called me, would I do it? And I heard clearly, no. Well, I was in San Francisco uh, in October, my my teacher's 85th birthday, and we were doing quite well until we started playing San Francisco the last couple of games. We're sitting in a restaurant trying to enjoy a dinner, Tai Chi dinner, and every five minutes there would be a big shout and because they were hitting one home run after another. So I went up to the bar and I said, please, we are from St. Louis. We're trying to have a nice dinner here. (laughs) Could you please keep it down? And they're like, no, you're in our land. Just um, just easy. Yeah, but, but, you know, in answer to your question about that, 
you know, with how do my children feel, I had relative notoriety. I, you know, I don't, like, you know, advertise a lot with my psychic gifts, and yet I read for people. I stopped counting when it hit 25 states and, you know, into Canada and, you know, sometimes into Europe. But I, I stopped counting. Well, what can you read for us, the United States? What Any oh. thoughts or feelings? Are, are we going to enter into a new era? Will, will the spirit, that the spirit seeker is so profoundly... Uh, encompassing become more and more apparent to those of us who have had our eyes clouded by all this other massive manipula- media manipulation. Oh, it's so tragic. I, I, you know, I, you know, I read for people on both. Um, you know, I, I read for people, Justin, and you know, I have to be very careful. I'm, someone yeah. actually asked, you know, before the election. Who do you think is going to win? And I said, I uh, I think it's going to be very close, and people all need to go vote. Yeah. And but what, what about, I feel are we are we on the cusp of a new uh, awakening? Uh, you've done you've certainly done the groundwork. I mean, gee whiz, Arkansas, nothing personal. Uh, but I, <laughs> I mean, know you're the third person that's told me that in the last week. But uh, oh. I mean, are are we going to see an awakening, or will it always be? Uh, well, I guess like in the Hindu uh, festival, the light against the dark. I think we have, you know, and I'm not a gloom and doom person, but I think that we are all being called, you know, to open our hearts. And and what is your message for all of us who are sitting here patiently looking up and and just uh, refreshing ourselves with the uh, the warmth of your predictions and, and warmth of your your genuine human kindness what words do you have for us what what do you suggest what what if you had to say anything what would it be uh to be compassionate and grateful yeah. for this land we live in you know my daughter the the, uh, the dalai lama said my religion oh my religion is kindness right Right. You know, my, my daughter's living in Spain where the unemployment rate is oh, 43% yeah. or 45%. Yeah, it's a tough time now. And, you know, she said, Mom, another person committed suicide um, oh, because they were being evicted. And, oh, how sad. And, and I said, uh, and, and guess what? Because so many people have been evicted with that high of a percentage of unemployment, they are now changing the landlord. Oh, laws so that they can't evict these people when it's just this terrible time and i said katie i said this is how it was with the great depression that happened in the u.s i said people opened their homes in order to keep their homes and and also to help people they took them (laughs) off the street just like in uh, new jersey Right. And, you know, you know, a lot of people criticize, you know, they say that we've gone past federalism and that, you know, we should, you know, back to states' rights. And I said, but what would we, what would New York and New Jersey and, you know, what, you know, how, and, well, that's their problem, isn't it? And it's like mm. this attitude of... So for some of, some of us who are single parents <sighs> working two jobs, have so little time for anything other than work and sleep and and and, right. and, and, and trying to scrap it. what what words do you have yeah. um to get back into being uh grateful you know like you know grateful we we live in this land of opportunity and you know to me if the the re- regret and resentment and hostility in this country i would just encourage every single person to do a gratitude list each day with all of the things you're grateful for and to make the world a better place. I mean, if all of us have the same desire to to help and assist, I am here, I am ready, I am open, guide me. How best can I be of service mm. today? That's wonderful. And I'm not always there, you know. I mean, we all have our thing, but, you know, when we're stuck in the cycle of I dig at the ditch to make it the money, to buy the food, to give me the strength to dig at the ditch, yeah. it's like you have, you know, once you get off that whole linear, oh, my God, <gasps> And you stop and you pause. You know, Deepak Chopra, when he, you know, 600 people in 1996, you know, in St. Louis, you know, never called it meditation. He called it lengthening the quiet pauses between the pauses. <laughs> Beautiful. You know, cited the Herbert Benson Harvard, you know, study where, yeah. you know, the relaxation response. Yeah. What is it about? You know, it's. Go outside. We live in these sterile homes. We live yeah. in cars. We go from car to building. We, we have to get out of the nature. We have to get out of the park right. a little bit too. 
That's right. And nature is where, you know, the, the nature is in balance. It's I think it's the clearest sign of God's design. And we have to reboot. And the only way to do it is get off the rat wheel and to wander aimlessly into stretching the quiet time, like you say. Right. And we're blessed with these teleconferences happening where all these teachers are coming together. Yeah, it's like a universal, I I mean, it's instantaneous universal consciousness. Right. It's just, it's just, you know, it's just a blessing. And, you know, you, you know, I interviewed Gene Houston, you know, and when I was yep. in the middle of interviewing Gene Houston, I said, you're just like a Margaret Mead. And she <laughs> said, she said, how could you know that? I said, excuse me? How could you know that? She said, Margaret Mead was my second mother. She oh. lived with us until she died, you know. Wow. And I said, I said, well, I'm very gifted psychically. Yeah. in the middle of a radio show. And she said, I can't believe you know that. And she said, Margaret Mead once told me, Jean, Jean, I want you to write a 20-page paper on stress and what it's doing to women and, mm. and the health problems. And I want it by oh, Monday. And she said she was one of the toughest taskmasters, but she learned from her. It seems like women's lot is to hold up a little bit more than half the sky these days. It seems like men have really lost their path in many respects and and left women alone to be the mother, the father, the provider. I hear it all. I hear Um, it all through the coaching that I do, through the psychic readings that I do, you know, and, you know, but, but... you know, we have to each find our way and learn to receive, which is part of the imbalance right now is I have it, I'm keeping it. Or people feel more comfortable in the giving role and they don't know how to receive. And, you know, you know you know, when you saw me in the studio, I was, I was walking, but, you know, I fractured my knee and my ankle and lived in this <laughs> hospital bed for four months and a wheelchair and all that. Okay, I got it. I, yep. I I, and, you know, when I had this hospital bed parked in the middle of my living room, I had this three-level yeah. home, couldn't go up or down, oh, no, then couldn't leave the house oh. because it was too complicated leaving. I left my house four times. It's so four frustrating times. to be a human being at times. Well, but, Justin, guess what? I My living room overlooks this deck, which overlooks woods. It's common oh, ground between. Yeah. So I saw the sunset. Every, there were no coverings oh. on that wall, because you know, on these glass doors of floor-to-ceiling because – you know, who's going to see in? There's woods behind me. So I just leave the windows open. And oh. so I saw the sunrise every morning. I saw the oh. sunset every night. I read. I chanted. Oh. I did my devotional mantras every day. I did my breath work. I did my prayer and devotion work. When? You know, other than in 2005 when I did a 40-day fast, which I still don't know how I did it. 40 days, no food. This wow. I know. And, you know, I mean, it was kind of crazy, but it was also... One of the most life-changing moments, you know. I mean, all these things. And, and that was Jesus, 40 days and 40 nights. I know, yeah. I know. I had some things going on that I wasn't really happy with in my life and knew that I had some patterns that needed to be broken. And, you know, I, you know, so I, 40 well, what days. What I love about you, Cindy, is you continue to evolve. You know, so many people just stake their claim right where they are and just try to market what they're doing. You know, you continue to explore and to involve us all in your explorations and to introduce us to such wonderful people, whether it's the magazine or the uh, uh, the, the radio blog. Um, I hope that you will, on this 15th anniversary, make a commitment to continue for at least another 15 years. Oh, Justin, you're very sweet. And, and on behalf of all of us who have not maybe had the opportunity or been able to sacrifice all that you've sacrificed to travel so far and to listen to others. Uh, I just want to say thank you so very, very, very much. Uh, You've given all of us opportunities to explore and understand and and to think about uh, our own lives in relationship to the many different ways that we can look at it from a spiritual perspective. Justin, you know, look at the work you're doing. Look at the, you know, it's would I have met you if it weren't for Spirit Seeker? No, mm. <laughs> no. It's like I don't know, but our paths were, you know, you know, beautifully drawn together. And you know, thank you for this. You know, I was a little bit nervous. I was like, oh, I'm always used to being in the control. I seat. know. That's why I insisted for your for the 15th anniversary, oh. we were going to celebrate Cindy, and Cindy oh. was going to tell us. It, I mean. Gee whiz, I mean, we all know what you're doing. 
you know, through we see what you do doing the magazine, but we so we seldom get a chance to hear your voice. And wow, for the years you've put into your explorations and the people you've introduced us to, I mean, I was really excited to hear, you know, what your thoughts were and 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 where you were today and where you were going and and all of us. Uh, you know, some of your, you're like an astronaut. You're, you, some of your travels, you, you go far and then you bring back moon rocks and we get to look at them and hold them and maybe someday we'll be astronauts in our own little way. That's funny because my stepfather worked for McDonnell Douglas and was no. in the Apollo program from the start. Of course. Brought home all the pictures, you know, oh, of boy. all the astronauts. I mean, we grew up with, you know, he was in the white room and couldn't talk about his work. You know, we couldn't, we, well, what did we, you know, I can't talk about that. You know, we weren't allowed, like, you know, to really know what our dad did, but he'd bring home these pictures. And I remember one time they were working with the Japanese because all of a sudden he had sake kit at Christmas, oh. you know. And, and, you know, I was like, are you working with the Japanese? You know, I can't talk about that. <laughs> well, you know, when you see that view of the Earth from the moon, I mean, oh. that is the only icon we have that is relevant today. It just shows us we're just a small little watery blue marble floating in the sky, and there's so little that we should really be fighting over, and there's so much that we all have in common. We're all uh, but in it together. Yes. Moving to the spiritual dimension is... I mean, I think it's an essential step in life, and if, if not this reincarnation, maybe next reincarnation will we'll, we'll catch up to you a little bit. Oh, my goodness. So, Justin, thank you for this gift. Thank you for the light you've shown, especially on this wonderful Hindu uh, and a, a Hindu celebration of light. You've certainly uh, carried the light high and, and uh, been the good servant who came back and uh, you know, did what what was necessary to, to to you know to carry on the work and so forth. Thank you for all you've done. Keep it up and uh, give us lots of surprises. And, and I'm sure that these next 15 years are going to be just as 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 exciting, if not more so. Uh, and we'll all be following you. And um, I'm glad we had a chance to get to talk to you. And because to talk to you is to know you. I mean, you are what you are. Uh, you you are so straightforward and down to earth and and heart to heart, and when I hear people like that talk, I listen carefully. Uh, there's all these other self-proclaimed masters of this and that and this and that, but it's nice to see a lot real live human being carrying on the basic duties that our life requires to be a good human being, but still able to create a beautiful space that renews us all. Okay. So, Justin, from my heart to your heart, and we're beaming out to everyone else listening, and just thank you so much for all and that you don't do. don't forget, Jill says happy anniversary. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. <laughs> Jill's my kitty cat who's doing work from the other side now. There she is. <laughs> thank you, kitty. Okay. Thank you, Justin. Okay, Bye-bye. good night, everyone. Okay.